You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. enjoyed the music. It's been outstanding, been very good, and I appreciate it so very much. Thank you, uh, Pastor Che. Thank you, church, for your kindness to us. Thank you for the uh, comfortable room over at the motel. Thank you for the uh, basket of snacks and uh, drinks. Greatest thing about that basket, there was no fruit in it. Amen. It was no bananas and cherry uh, grapes and all that stuff. There was just good old-fashioned beef jerky and and uh, crackers and all that stuff that's not good for you, but you like to eat. Amen. And so seriously, thank you for all that. And I appreciate so very much the invitation to come back and be here. I've been blessed just by the fellowship with Brother Gomez, of course, and Pastor Che and his brother, Brother Walker. It's been good to be here. Thank you for your faithfulness. This is, again, a wonderful crowd for an off night in church. The crowd this morning was just about as big as it is right now. So it's been a good, good meeting. And I thank the the Lord for your faithfulness. If you have your Bible, open to Romans chapter 4. My, uh, my duty tonight is to give you something that I hope will be a challenge to your heart. And then I'm going to sit down and I'm going to get to listen to somebody preach tonight. I'm looking forward to that because I need preaching. At least that's what my wife told me. Amen. Be sure you hear the message tonight. Romans chapter 4. I'm going to read beginning in verse number 1. Follow along here. The Bible says, Paul writing, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not... But believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. I'm going to draw the title of the message out of verse number three, where Paul asked the question, for what saith the scripture? That's my title tonight, what saith the scripture? That's the million dollar question for people of God. What saith the scripture? Father, help us tonight. I look forward, Lord, to the message to come in just a little bit. But right now, would you please reach down from heaven, bow down the heavens, and Lord, help us again as we get into the most wonderful book in the world, your book. I pray that your spirit will open our eyes, give us wondrous things to behold, and Lord, just help us, encourage us, and challenge us. Lord, in this area we're going to preach on tonight, bless this church, the pastor, people. I pray, God, you'll just continue to favor them with your grace as you have so, so much so in the last years of this church ministry, how you've blessed it. And I pray that you'll continue to favor them in the years to come. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and be seated. What saith the scripture? That is the question that Paul asked some Jews who lived in Rome when he wrote this letter to them. Now, this was during, if, you, if you'll give me just a little, a little patience tonight, let me give you the setting here in Romans chapter 4, and then we'll move into some application for us tonight. But this was during a time in the first century when a lot was going on that was new 
for the Jewish people. Jesus had ascended to heaven. The followers of Christ had been given uh, a commission by Jesus to take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. And as they obeyed the Lord, the gospel was taken to cities whose population was mainly Gentile, non-Jewish people. And as Gentiles heard the gospel, they were getting saved. Imagine that. People hear the gospel, some people get saved. That, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the gospel, the good news that has the power to birth people into the family of God. I like what First Corinthians, uh, excuse me, Acts 18.8 says about the Corinthians. The Bible says there, many of the Corinthians hearing believed. And that's what was going on in the first century. They're going to these Gentile towns preaching the gospel. Now the Jews, the Orthodox Jews, were having a difficult time believing that the Gentiles could be saved without keeping some of the works of the law. You see this, Paul talked about it at the end of chapter 3. You have it open there in your Bible. Look at verse number 28. He said, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it as one God which shall justify the circumcision, that's the Jews, by faith, and uncircumcision, that's the Gentiles, through faith. So Paul concluded that both Jews and Gentiles were saved by faith without performing the deeds of the Old Testament law. And this created quite a stir. It created a debate. It created an argument. So when Paul begins chapter 4, he brings up the Jews' most beloved figure in their history. Their father according to the flesh. Abraham. You see it in verse 1. What shall we say then? Paul says, let's talk about Abraham. Let's talk about our fleshly father. What did he find out about this matter of being saved by grace or saved by works? Look what he said in verse 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. If Abraham was justified by works, folks, he'd have a reason to boast. Look what I have done. But he would not and could not glory or boast before God because no flesh glories in his presence. Look at verse 3. That's when Paul asked the question, what does the scripture say? Well, the scripture said that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham trusted what God, was, what God said. He was justified, saved because of that trust and faith in what God said. Look at verse 4. He says, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is, faith is counted for righteousness. What Paul's saying is, look, if you work for some reward, the person who gives you the reward owes it to you. Put it this way. If you work for $25 an hour and you work for four hours, the reward of that labor is $100. When the boss comes and gives you $100, it's not a gift. It's a debt that he owed you for your four hours of work, right? Now, God does not give out salvation because he owes it to us. 
God's grace gifts us salvation if we will in faith believe and trust in what he says because salvation is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now that's the setting of the scripture. The question that Paul asked to settle this controversy, to settle the debate, to bring it to a conclusion was what saith the scripture? What does the Bible say? People reaching a conclusion means that we have researched, we've studied, we've taken inventory, and we've closed the argument. What does the Bible say? Because whatever the Bible says closes the argument. Now that question, what saith the scripture? That question should be asked countless times as we journey through this life. If any group of people, if any group of people on the planet should be interested and concerned about what the scripture says, it should be God's people. It should be you and me. And listen, life's journeys are almost never as planned or expected. Life's journeys, almost never as planned or expected. And whether our journey takes us through bright, clear light or dim, shadowy darkness, takes us to a high mountaintop or a deep valley, what we need to know on our journey is what saith the scripture? What saith the scripture? So let me ask you a question tonight. Do you have that mindset about your life? Is that, the, is that how you approach life? Is that how you approach life's decisions? What saith the scripture? Well, folks, if you're not basing life's decisions on what saith the scripture, then what are you basing life decisions on? Human reasoning? Logic? Or worse, feelings? I can't tell you how many times, countless times, people, I've confronted people with heavy, you know, making heavy life decisions and the argument they make when defending their decision is, well, pastor, I just feel like, feel like, I just feel like. People, if human emotions are the foundation, are the basis for our life choices, we are headed for trouble. Of all people, saved people should be approaching life's decisions with the question, what saith the scripture? What does the Bible say? Now, let me give you three quick reasons tonight about why that needs to be of interest and concern to us. Three quick reasons. Number one, what saith the scripture ought to be important to us because of the scripture's author. Because of the scripture's author. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of whom? God. Now, folks, we don't have time tonight to go into a deep dive on the subject of inspiration. But to put it simply, all scripture originated with the breath of God. Every bit of it. And that means the words in your holy Bible are God's words. The all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful God has given us his word on, on, on matters of life and matters of eternity that are vitally important to us. Now look, there is nothing wrong with reading good books that are penned by humans. Nothing wrong with that. They can be very helpful. 
even in prison. You remember the second Timothy when Paul was in prison there, it was the last time he would write to Timothy and he said, Timothy, do thy diligence to come before winter. And he said, uh, he said, the cloak that I left at Troas bring with thee and the books. He was talking about books written by men. Even when he was in prison, he asked Timothy to bring those books written by men because Paul was uh, enjoyed reading and he could get some knowledge and wisdom from books written by men. But then do you remember what Paul went on to say? But especially the parchments. Now, what were the parchments? Well, there's good reason to believe that they were rolls on which Scripture was written. Possibly some of the Old Testament books that maybe Paul had a copy of or some of his own writings. And the word that gives reason to believe that the parchments contain Scripture is that word especially. Timothy, do your diligence to come, diligence to come before winter and the coat that I left at Troas, bring it with you because I'm going to be cold and bring the books, but particularly, chiefly, above all other things, especially above everything else you might bring me. Timothy, do not forget the parchments. Paul in his last few days was, has shown him, his, God had already shown him his departure was at hand, his time was drawing near, and yet here he is, folks, still hungering, still desiring, still wanting to read and search through the scriptures. There is no greater book than God's book because it's his book. He's the author. You know, a man's word, a man's words are only as true and good as the man's character. And that's why every, every book written by man can have error in it. But every word of God in this book is backed by his nature and his character. Why do we need to be concerned and interested in what does the Bible say? What saith the scripture? Because of its author. There's no book like it. Number two, why do we need to be concerned about what saith the scripture? Because of the scripture's adversary. Because of the scripture's adversary. Now let me, let me give you a couple of verses here. First Timothy chapter two, verse 14. The Bible says the woman being deceived was in the transgression. And then Revelation 20, 10 says, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Now, why do I reference those two scriptures? Because they give us the first and last times that we read about the devil in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 3, he deceived Eve into disobeying God. That's what the scripture says. In Revelation chapter 20, he is called the devil that deceived them. Then he is thrown into the lake of fire for all eternity. Now listen church, we underestimate the power of our adversary. We underestimate the hater of God, the devil. And if you think for one moment that without the truth of God's word to instruct you and guide you, lead you, correct you, if you think you can navigate through this life without a steady diet of this book, you are underestimating the deceitful power of your enemy, your adversary. Do not make the mistake. Look, don't make the mistake of thinking that Eve was some poor cave woman with no IQ, no smarts, no wisdom, just a plain old simpleton. I don't believe that for a minute. 
Adam and Eve were the beginning of God's creation. The beginning of God's creation of the human race. Everything God created, now don't miss this. Everything God created was good and in a perfect working condition, including Adam and including Eve. They lived in a perfect environment with perfect atmospheric conditions, perfect agricultural conditions, food that was unblemished. You talk about organic food. Food that was unblemished by any kind of man-made chemicals, preservatives. No curse of sin on the plant kingdom. No curse of sin on the animal kingdom. No curse of sin in Adam or Eve. They existed in absolutely ideal living conditions. And on top of all of that, the voice of God every day as their instruction and their guide. Every day, the voice of God came walking in the garden to speak with them. You talk about utopia? You talk about utopia? They lived in utopia. And yet, with all of that, with all of that, the devil was able to deceive Eve into taking of the forbidden fruit of the only tree in the garden that was off limits to them. The only one. So what are you talking about, Brother Terry? I'm talking about the power of your adversary. Unfortunately, we don't live in utopia. We don't live in a perfect environment. Our food is not uncontaminated. Our water is not uncontaminated. And we live in sin-cursed bodies. And folks, if the first man and the first woman living in complete utopia with no curse of sin and organic food and uncontaminated un, un, un water, it, walking with the voice of God in the garden, if, if she could not resist the temptation of the adversary, what do you think it means for you and me? to try to go through this life without a steady diet of this book right here. You know, if we think we can properly and wisely navigate through this life without being concerned and interested in what does the Bible say, who are we kidding? And let me tell you that Satan is just waiting for you, waiting for me to become disinterested and unconcerned and inconsistent with our Bible and not concerned about what does the scripture say. He's just waiting for that so that he can come with his subtlety and deception and lead us away from the truth of God's word. And remember church, being deceived is not doing wrong and knowing it. Being deceived is thinking that you're doing right while you're doing wrong. And I wonder how many of God's people have made critically bad choices or decisions because of the deceitfulness of the scripture's adversary. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way which seemeth. It doesn't seem wrong. It seems right. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And death is associated with sin and the devil. And deception is the tool that the adversary of Scripture uses to steal and kill and destroy the people of God. That's another reason why you and I should be interested and concerned and face life with the question, what saith the Scripture? 
what saith the scripture? Because I've got a living, breathing adversary. And he may say something about it. I don't know the direction Brother Gomez is going, but we've been talking about it. He is more active today than he ever has been as we approach the tribulation period. And if you think you're going to skate through this life without sticking your nose in this book and facing every one of your decisions, young couples, for your family and your kids without asking the question, what does the Bible say? What does it say about your finances? What does it say about your marriage? What does it say about your home? What does it say about your, your walk with God? What does the scripture say? What does it say about your music? What does it say about your entertainment? What does it say about your friendships? What does it say about your relationships? Deci think how many decisions you have to make over and over and over again. Decision, 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 decision. And I make my decision because I, I, just, I just feel like it's right. Feel? Feel? Do you remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Sure you do. Remember when Isaac and, you know, and Esau came in and said, Dad, I'm going to go out and kill some venison. And I understand, I understand the providence of God. Esau, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. I get all that, folks. But don't miss the story. Don't miss what happened. Isaac is blind, he can't see. Esau's going to go out and get the venison. Rebecca overhears uh, Esau and Isaac talking and she comes to Jacob and says, Jacob, we got to come up with here. I got to come up with a plan. And you know, she, they kill the, the, the goat, they kill the food. And then they, she takes the skin and puts it on Jacob's hands because he was a, a smooth man. And then Jacob comes in and says, dad, I've got the venison. I've got the food. And Isaac goes, you're back so soon. Oh, well, God blessed me. What a liar. God, well, come over, come over here, son. And let me feel you. You feel like Esau, but your voice sounds like Jacob. And I understand the providence of God. I get it. But don't miss, don't miss what happened. That man followed his feelings instead of the voice. You can't go through life. Well, I just feel, I just feel, I just think. You can't go through life that way. You have to go through life asking, what says the scripture? What does the Bible say? We ask that question because of its author. We ask that question because of its adversary. And we ask number three, that question, folks, because, of, because the scripture is ageless. It's ageless. The scripture is forever. Psalm 119.89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Somebody said, I don't know who the man was. Somebody said, if it's settled in heaven, men, men on earth can never unsettle it. And remember that the author of scripture is the eternal God. Now you and I can't wrap our minds around this. The author of scripture is the eternal God who the scripture says is from everlasting to everlasting. Now you can't wrap your mind around that. You try to and it just your mind shuts down because you go back in time and, and time and go back beyond the beginning of time as we know it and beyond and where does God begin? He never does, he's always been. 
And your mind can't get that. And then you go out into eternity future and where you're going to find the end and there's God and there's, and on and on. And it just, it, 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 your, your mind shuts down. You can't comprehend it. Let me ask you a question. Who else can speak truthfully and authoritatively about the beginning of time as we know it? Who else can speak authoritatively about it except for God? Nobody else was there. Who can speak authoritatively and knowledgeably about the end of time, we're not there yet. Only God can do that. Only God. And God's word establishes where mankind came from and where mankind is going. And eternity is beyond the comprehension of our minds. And it just kind of shuts down. We try to think about it. But here's the thing I want you to see. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. There never has been a time on planet earth since we know time began. There has never been a time when the scripture has ever been irrelevant. It's ageless. It was relevant for the Old Testament prophets. It was relevant for the Old Testament priests. It was relevant for the Jews. It was relevant for all those characters that we read about in the Old Testament. It was relevant when Jesus was born into this world through Bethlehem's manger. It was relevant, relevant during his time on earth. It was relevant during the days of the apostles in the book of Acts. It was relevant when John penned Revelation at the end of the first century. And the book didn't go out of relevance when John said, amen. The, the book is relative now. It was relative in the first century and the 5th century and the 35th century and the 2000th century. And here we are in 2024. And this book is as relevant to your life and mine today as it ever has been. Ever has been. And if Jesus, I don't think he will, but if Jesus stays in heaven another 30 years, for all you kiddos and young people that are here, this book will be relevant when you're 15. It'll be relevant when you're 25. It'll be relevant when you're 45. If Jesus stays in heaven, it'll be relevant when you're 75. It never loses its agelessness. So what say at the scripture? What say at the scripture? What say at the scripture about what kind of person I should marry? What say at the scripture about this? What say at the scripture about this? And what say at the scripture about this and the phenomena of the deception of tongues? And what say at the scripture about all this, all this non-denominational? What says the what says the scripture about everything in my life and your life? What saith the scripture? Because of its author, because of its adversary, and because it is ageless. Ageless. So my question tonight is simply this. How are you approaching life's decisions? Are you approaching life's decisions on the basis of what saith the scripture? And if you haven't been, that's what you need to start doing tomorrow. You need to start basing life's decisions on the basis of what does the Bible say? What saith the scripture? And if you're going to do that, folks... That means you're going to have to get in it and be faithful to read it and memorize it 
and park yourself in these chairs, this auditorium, Sunday after Sunday and Wednesday after Wednesday and let the man of God and the Sunday school teachers and the youth leaders and the people that God has put in place here open the scriptures and teach and preach and teach and preach and just be like a sponge and soak up everything you can get and then the next time you have to make a major life decision. It's made on the basis. What? does the Bible say? Paul concluded, researched, took inventory, and concluded the matter about grace versus works. And his question was, what does the Bible say? And by the way, you mentioned it this morning. That's why people, I know that the largest churches in this town and my town, in the town of Elgin, in the town of Lockport, or close by, the largest churches are the Happy Clappy, Kumbaya, partying in the service with wild music churches. I get that. They're the biggest. But it's, this is why some of those people are leaving and come into churches like Heritage Baptist Church because there are people out there who want to know what saith the Scripture. We baptized back in COVID, at the end of COVID, baptized 13 of them that came from contemporary happy clappy places. None of them have been baptized in a Baptist church. And I preached just the most, what I felt was just the most simple, elementary, 101 message one morning out of the Word of God. And one of those men told me, he said, Pastor, that's why we came here. It's the meat. of I didn't even give meat. I gave milk. They're not getting milk, folks. And be patient with your pastor when in the process of preaching what say at the scripture, he gets a little close to the fence post and makes it a little uncomfortable for you. Walk out the door, shake his hand, say thank you. Because the thing we need to know above everything else in this confusing day is what does the Bible say? Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.